Okay, so guys, I uh, want to begin the lecture with uh, saying thank you to Aaron Hakohen Dubinsky, who sponsored today's refreshments in the memory of his mother. And uh, as I mentioned last week, guys, please, every single week there's refreshments over there, and we just, uh, if anyone could help us out with sponsorship, and we'll be able to have the refreshments all the time. Another opportunity is that we actually have every single week by tomorrow morning there will be a audio of this going out and in the front room you'll see all the cds so it's available in hard cd and in audio please people we're looking for sponsors use an opportunity of what when where whatever it may be whether it be a birthday or happiness something went good you want to say thank you to hashem and then it gets printed on the cd it gets printed into when people open up the audio and they'll say there this was sponsored by so-and-so in memory of in honor of or whatever it may be. So people, please, let's make that happen so we can continue growing the work that we're doing here. With that being said, today's topic. Today's topic in the Garden of Amuna is, if you remember last week, we spoke about that piece. Um, the title in the book actually was, Sadness is Your Enemy. So yes, last week we spoke about stepping away from sadness. This week we're going to continue with that topic, but only we're talking about a different type of sadness. There's two types of sadnesses. There's one type of sadness which is about things that physically aren't good. God forbid, physically someone loses their job. Physically someone's worrying about their mortgage. Physically someone's worrying about their health. It goes on and on and on. Those are physical things. What we're going to talk about today is sadness which comes from spiritual things. We're sad because of our spiritual state of being. Interesting enough, there's a huge difference between physical sadness and spiritual sadness. And I should be more proper. I mean sadness from physical challenges and sadness from spiritual challenges is what I really mean. I want to share with you something very interesting. Dr. Rebbe and Tanya discusses this topic. Dr. Rebbe discusses about sadness. He introduces the topic by saying that even though we just explained that the godly soul is stronger than the animalistic soul, but you should know that the fact in the wrestling ring is that if the stronger guy is depressed and the weaker guy is happy, easily the weaker guy will bring down the stronger guy. That's what Dr. Rebbe writes. And therefore you have to be so careful not to be sad. You have to have simcha. And then Dr. Rebbe goes on and spends about not even a half a page talking about physical causes of sadness how to deal with poverty, health, or whatever it may be, God forbid, that we're being challenged temporarily with. And after he finishes that off quickly in a, <laughs> in a half a page, now he goes on to a whole long piece, more than the rest of the chapter, <laughs> discussing about, but if you're sad over your spiritual state, now we have a problem. <laughs> it's interesting, because whenever I read that chapter, I think about who the altar was dealing with. Obviously, physical cause of sadness was taken care of one, two, three. Okay, we got that out of the way. Now let's talk about what we really have to be sad about. Ah, a spiritual state of being. <laughs> now the Alter Rebbe, is, he's struggling. Because his chassidim were really sad, not over the leak in the roof, but over the leak in their davening. <laughs> it was just a different generation. Interesting enough, if we were to be honest with ourselves for a moment, you will find that we are also that way you will find that we're much quicker to give a, ah, no, Baruch Hashem, it'll all be okay. 
when things physically don't go right, God forbid. Our spiritual state of being eats up at our simcha from the inside out. It drains the life force out of our simcha. And as much as we try to play Mr. Tuffy, well, I don't care, big deal. I'm not a tzaddik anyway. I'm going to go to hell anyway. You know, the whole conversation we always use. You know, the, the famous line that Alter Rebbe starts Tanya with, you know. And if you, if you do get sad over it, you know, and if you don't care about it, it becomes a license to kill. You know, one of the worst things you'll ever hear from a Jew is, this should be my worst sin. It is your worst sin. No, this is nothing. For me, this is nothing. If you would only know what I really do, you wouldn't even talk to me about this Aveda. This Aveda is a joke. And it gets into trouble. So we try to play tough. But it really isn't that way. Because you can't play with your conscious. You definitely can't play with your subconscious. Take it a step further. When we deal with physical sadness, sadness over physical challenges, it's always excusable. You and I don't really need to go through open heart surgery on ourselves to find reasons why we can justify that things aren't so beautiful with us. We have probably a million reasons why we can clearly say kapara. This should only be an atonement for all my sins. <coughs> because I know what my sins are. I know how much I'm lacking. I know how much atonement and tikkun I need. So let this be it. If we're going to be serious with ourselves, it's extremely easy and quick to make our physical suffering excusable. When we sit to ourselves, I want to tell you, parenthetically speaking, an amazing teaching from the Alter Rebbe that the Rebbe Blessed Memory brings down. It says like this, that only works for yourself. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of times we do it the other way around. When another person's suffering, we have a million excuses why the person deserves to suffer. Because I saw him talk Lashon Hara, and I saw him do this, and if you don't even know who he is and what she does, then I would be able to... <laughs> I wonder that he's suffering. It's a wonder he's only suffering so little. When it comes to ourselves, oh, well, I understand. What, what am I doing wrong? So the Alter Rebbe writes, and the Rebbe quotes him, saying as follows, the Rebbe says that you should know that when it comes to making physical suffering excusable, it's only concerning yourself. Concerning someone else, how dare you justify their suffering? And if you've been reading the daily Tanya, you'll see that just these last days, the Alter Rebbe talks about that. The Alter Rebbe tells you how humble you need to be in front of every human being because you don't begin to know that person's challenges. You don't know what his livelihood puts him into. He has to stand on the A1A and Collins and watch everything that Nebuchadnezzar's eyes has to see. And besides all of that, he has another problem. There's different type of animals. There's the ox, there's the goat, there's the sheep, there's the lamb. There's a reason why in Leviticus we have different type of sacrifices. Because we have different type of animalistic souls. Some people's animalistic soul are more tranquilo. Some of them are very passionate. The slightest thing prances by them and they're ablaze, they're afire. So the Alter Rebbe says, who are you to judge anyone? You were born with a calm, 
temperament, you happen to be mellow, you happen to be studious, not because you're such a tzaddik, but because by general, you're just a calm person, you're slightly on the pessimistic side, you enjoy always analytical stuff, so you get involved in learning. whoop de doo That person wasn't born with that temperament. That person's a party guy. Not because he's a bad person. His ox needs to dance. That's it. So who are you to judge him? So when it comes to physical suffering, and I tell you that physical suffering is excusable, I'm not talking about to excuse someone else's suffering. Chassidim will never do that, ever. For the other person, you have a million excuses why the person is not guilty. For yourself, we need to be a little uh, mature about how we look at ourselves because we know that we have freedom of choice and we could have overcome it. But with that being said, physical suffering is much quicker for someone who has a sensitivity to his soul to quickly be able to smile and say, Tikkun, kapara, it's okay. We should just, this should be what we need to clean our souls. When it comes to spiritual stuff, no matter how macho you want to present yourself to be, that you don't care, it eats away from the inside out. No one can be happy when they're dealing with a justifiable self-respect issue. Because when you know that you don't deserve self-respect because of how you're behaving, that becomes a real issue that you don't just sweep under the carpet so quickly. Because every time you do, it creeps back out on you. So the Alter Rebbe and Tanya is really challenged by this conversation. And what if the sadness and depression is not over the bank account? It's over your spiritual soul. That's what we need to talk about tonight. So I want to share with you the two points that I prepared to share with you tonight. Number one, sadness is a soulmate with entitlement. They are soulmates. One does not live without the other. Without the, other. the minute you embrace an entitlement and you're now upset because you feel you should have this and you don't have this, that's where sadness breeds. That is the breeding ground for sadness. But how does this work spiritually? We're talking about spiritual entitlement. What does that mean? What it means is very simple. The Alter Rebbe uses the words, and if you are sad over this issue, you should know that the Mishnah says, who is the wise one? He who knows his true place. And you are not right now being wise and don't know your true place. So let's get back for a second. Most people who are sad over spirituality, they're not sad over the choices they've made. Most of the time, they're sad over the impulses and challenges they're representing. 
people get frustrated and eventually worn out and depressed that they're still dealing with the same issues. At some point, you go through that horrible feeling of running on ice. I'm getting nowhere. I sit, I work with myself, I'm learning, I'm davening, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and the same Yetzirah, the same Yetzirah. He was born at puberty and he ain't going to be dying until I'm dead. That's a problem. And it gets to your nerves. The Rebbe once explained to someone that the Yetzirah is like a toothache. And I never understood that. Why a toothache? I've been blessed with kidney stones. And I've had toothaches. And if I wanted to tell you that the Yetzirah is really a problem, I probably would talk about kidney stones quicker than I talk about toothaches. Why? I don't know what the Rebbe is thinking because I'm not a Rebbe. But I can just tell you my perception. The problem with a toothache is not that it's the worst pain in the world. The good old Russians will tell you, you take a Q-tip and you take a, a little bit of alcohol. And if you're a real Russian, skip the Q-tip, just open the bottle. And what the bottom line is, is ways to put a nerve to sleep. What is the issue at hand is that it doesn't stop. It eats and it eats and it eats and it eats away at you. Go through a real difficult pain, God forbid, for 72 hours, new. Go through a semi-difficult pain that just has no end. It just doesn't stop. It will sap you, drain you, and drive you into sadness. The sadness that most of us are experiencing is because the impulses, they don't change, they don't get weaker, they actually get stronger. Al-Tarebbe writes that every time we eat and we enjoy, we've just given another 20 push-ups to our Yetzirah. We're just helping him develop himself, strengthening himself. So what really makes us sad is, how could it be that I'm sitting and I'm davening and I'm really trying my best and I'm learning before I daven and I'm thinking and meditating and concentrating and trying to give birth to somewhat of a smoke of a feeling for God. And it was really, I walked out not like, you know, uh, all excited. I walked out drained. I really worked hard. And maybe for once I touched a little bit of a feeling that maybe I really do feel God's love for me and therefore the reciprocal love I have for God. And right after that, I walk out on a beautiful sunny day on Florida, and I happen to see what my eye shouldn't see. And it's gone, just like that. And now you start thinking, oh my God, I'm a hypocrite. What is wrong with me? Nothing's changing. So we're not really sad over the choices we make in thought, speech, and, garment, and uh, action, which are the three garments of the soul. What really gets us depressed is that the emotions of our soul haven't changed. I would like to believe that I'm becoming someone spiritual. I've dedicated my life to this. I'd like to believe that I'm growing spiritually. 
I'd like to believe that now I enjoy a toysvis as much as I used to enjoy a steak. I'd like to believe that the excitement of a Fabrengen took the place of the excitement of Sunday Super Bowl. And it's not happening. My heart is untouched. That creates sadness. And Al-Tareb explains that that sadness comes from a false entitlement. Because the Bainani, the intermediate, which is what we aspire to be, because Job says you have created the righteous and you have created the wicked. And that's a problem. Because the Talmud says that everything comes from heaven besides fear of heaven. So therefore God didn't create righteous. God didn't create wicked. God created potential and we make choices. So why did Job say that God creates righteous and God creates the wicked? And the answer given is because when we talk about God creates the righteous, righteous are not those that can control their impulses. Righteous are those who can actually go into the heart, eradicate, and redefine. That's what a tzaddik is. A tzaddik isn't someone who controls himself. King David says, and my heart is dead within me or empty within me, halal. And the Talmud says because he killed his yetara with fasting. So I just want you to just, just, just enjoy the moment for a second. What did the Gemara just tell you? Imagine what it would mean not to have a Yetzirah in your heart. Imagine what it would mean that you just don't have impulses to do anything wrong. Imagine. Imagine that your natural flow is what God wants me to do. That's what I want to do. I have no other desire. My desire is only Hashem Echad to be one with that Hashem Echad. So I wake up in the morning wanting to daven. Not wanting to hit the snooze button. I wake up, I want to go learn. I want to go do a mitzvah. Imagine that. That's what we're talking about. If King David doesn't have a Yetzirah, that means his heart is empty. That means that there's only one thing in his heart. The desire for God and holiness. That's a tzaddik. That God created. God created who has the potential to eradicate the left side of the heart, the castle of the Yetzirah, and who doesn't. And that's why our sages say that I see within the righteous that there are very few. There are very few righteous people. There are Baruch Hashem, a lot of righteous people. But it depends what you call righteous. Are you judging them for their behaviors or are you judging them for their impulses? If you're judging for the behaviors, thank God there are a lot of people that control their impulses. But if you're judging them for their impulses, there aren't many tzaddikim. There aren't. And that can create sadness. So the entitlement is the first thing we need to deal with if you want to be able to serve Hashem with joy and not be sad. What's there to be sad about that you have a Yetzirah? Who gave you the Yetzirah? There is nothing wrong with having a Yetzirah. <laughs> should be careful when I say that. But what I'm trying to say is, what's wrong is to act upon the Yetzirah. 
To have an impulse is not wrong. Not judgeably wrong. To act upon the impulse, to give the impulse a second thought. So it's very simple. You walk out in the street, you see something, an impulse goes shooting up to your brain. That is not good or bad yet. Here begins the Benini. What are you going to do? I had a teacher who used to, he used to have a brain with us. He was very open. He was very straight up. And he used to tell us, yeah, 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 look, no, you're clear. Yeah, look, no, you're, but yeah, look. <laughs> it's like as if the, the game is if I can fight with myself, but I'm going to give in. That's the challenge. The impulse isn't the problem. And yet most of us get depressed over our impulses. Wrong. There's nothing to be depressed about your impulses. There is what to be depressed. Not depressed. We'll soon talk about what you have to do. There is what to have real thoughts about how you react to your impulses. Because that's where freedom of choice begins. So sadness or happiness needs to begin in a mature person's world where freedom of choice begins. Where freedom of choice doesn't exist, sadness and happiness has no place. It doesn't make sense to be sad over being exactly what God created you to be. But when the entitlement comes up that I deserve to be spiritual, I deserve to be able to no more have impulses, I deserve to be able to walk down a Florida street like a tzaddik, not seeing, not feeling, just being a shemachad. And I'm depressed that I'm still struggling with the same thing I struggled when I went to California as a 14-year-old. Don't be depressed over it. So the first thing I want to share with you is sadness is a soulmate with entitlement. Entitlement exists in spirituality just like it exists in physicality. When you see someone driving in the 95 next to you and you're making a lot of noise and it ain't your radio, it's your muffler, and the car next to you is a brand new leased car and you're wondering to yourself, that person? I know that person. That person? God, where's your right and wrong? That person's driving a Lexus and I'm making birchat hagomel every time my car makes it off the 95? What is going on here? That's an entitlement issue. That creates a sadness over entitlement. It's the exact same thing with spirituality. I'm still struggling with impulses. The boy who went to yeshiva and learned and don't ask. So that needs to be wiped off the table. Get rid of the entitlement. Understand God created you to be exactly who he wants you to be and deal with it. Now let's go to the second point. Let's say I get rid of the entitlement. I still ain't in no rose garden. <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> they tell a joke about a guy who goes to the bar. <laughs> and every time you take a drink, you take the glass and you throw it. One day the bar told him, Dayenu, <laughs> no more. You cannot come back into this bar until you go for psychological help. Okay, he's got a problem. He goes for psychological help, comes back three weeks later, the bartender tells him, no, 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 I went for help. You're cured? I'm cured. 
No problem. <laughs> takes a drink, takes a glass, and throws it. <laughs> the bartender, I, I, I thought you're cured. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to a psychologist. I don't feel guilty no more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we took care of point number one. No more entitlement <laughs> issues. <laughs> and therefore what? So we need to discuss what does a Benini do? What does a Benini do? So I want to introduce you with an interesting story. You guys go to a Chabad place for high holidays and you'll notice something very interesting. When it comes to the vidui, where you bang, Ashamnu Bagadnu, we sing. Probably you guys, if you're ever in a Chabad house, you're, you're familiar with the tune. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Why are you singing? What's there to sing? God, I sinned. God, I spoke Lashon Hara. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I stole. What, what's uh, Maybe we should make a kiddush in honor of it. If you do, let me know. I'd like to have sponsor it here. But what's the, wh what are we doing? What are we singing? Hashem So let me tell you the history of it. The history of it goes all the way back to the Baal Shem Tov. Someone snitched to the Baal Shem Tov that one of his students was singing by Vidui. Now, the Baal Shem Tov was the driving force of Simcha. You have to serve Hashem besimcha, besimcha, besimcha. Now, someone's telling him, you see, you went too far. Look at your students. They're now having a whole Akofa session and dancing over their sins. So he called in a student. And he asked the student to explain himself. Listen to the words that the student answered. And if you were merited to clean God's palace. You wouldn't whistle while you work? What an amazing phenomenon. Do I believe as a Jew that I am God's palace? If I do believe that I am God's palace, then the next question is, so I got dirty. Does that make me not God's palace? So now I'm being hired to clean God's palace. Should I not be whistling while I work? Let's talk about this for a second. That is even in the concept of teshuva. Now let's step back a second from the concept of teshuva. Let's talk about before you sinned. Let's talk about, remember, we're talking about that you're frustrated not over the choices you make, but over the challenges that are being presented to you. So let's go back to another story. Isaac wants to bless before he dies. He chooses Esau, who he then thinks is still his firstborn. He wasn't aware yet that Esau sold his firstborn rights to Jacob. And he tells Esau, bring me food and my heart will be gladdened and I will bless you. So just here already you see how poisonous sadness is. Because blessing can only rest in Simcha. So ja Isaac tells Jacob, bring me dishes and um, I will eat and my heart will be gladdened and I will bless you. You know that Jacob, the verse tells us that Jacob lost a certain sense of his divine presence from when Joseph was disappeared until he was reunited. And Rashi says because Jacob was mourning and divine Presence does not rest amongst sadness. Not a small thing. But let's go back to our story. You look at the Pasuk, it says what? Va'asuli matamim. 
Matamim, those of you who remember your Hebrew, Matamim is plural, masculine plural. He didn't say Vasuli Matam. He didn't say make for me a dish. He said make for me dishes. What happened with Isaac? Isaac all of a sudden is what? Going all out over here? Four course dinner? So Kabbalah explains. Kabbalah explains that Isaac represents God. In this verse, Esau actually presents the Jewish people. And God is telling the Jewish people, make me dishes, plural. Why? Because there's two types of dishes. They're sweet and they're spicy. And I need them both, is what Isaac is telling Esau. And what Kabbalah tells us is that God is telling us there's a reason why I created Sadiqim and Benunim. Because Sadiqim don't have friction. Everything is sweet. There is no impulses in the heart. There is no clashing. God wants, they want, and they do. It's that simple. God's will is their will, and they make it happen. But the Benini is spicy. The Benini produces for you a spicy dish. Because everything that a Benini does for Hashem has to do with friction. In today's Tanya, the Alter Rebbe describes that a Benini who's stuck in the streets of, uh, of Florida to earn a living, every mitzvah they do is connected with sacrifice. Every overcoming temptation that they have to deal with is absolute sacrifice. Now, if you are exhausted, run down, depleted of energy, spicy food does a lot better than sweet food. It sends the smoke to your brain, your eyes start tearing, and you're up. Understand that what the Benini offers to God in exile, which exile in Kabbalah refers to God, quote-unquote, sleeping. And a Benini sends a spicy dish. Impulse, challenge, hormones, danger, takeover, hostile takeover by the animalistic soul. And the person bites down hard and says, no. You see, somewhere along the line, in the generation of 2011, Judaism stopped being about God. Spirituality stopped being about God. It started becoming about us, the energy. It isn't about us. A religion that's about us is idol worship. A religion is supposed to be about God. And if it's about what God wants, and if God tells you, I want you, like the salmon, to be swimming upstream, I want you to do that for me. I don't want you to sit and quetch and be depressed that the current is pulling against you. I want you to fight day in and day out to be a Benini. I want you to live a life of winning every single battle, knowing that until I step in with Mashiach Tzitkenu, the war will not be won. 
And I want you to contemplate not about your situation and get depressed over, I'm still running on ice. I want you to focus on what that means to me. You see, the definition of sadness is very interesting. It's sitting in prison, but sitting on the key. You can get up, pick up the key, unlock prison, and walk out. Because prison is ego. It starts with entitlement. It moves on to what is spirituality doing for me? Talk to me about the energy. Tell me I'm flying high. Tell me paradise is happening. Don't talk to me about what God wants me to do. That will start with a super high. It works. It works. You start with a super high, I'm feeling the energy, I'm feeling spiritual. Look at those masses, they're nobodies and nothings. I am focused on the Yudke Vavke, I know 72 letters, I do magic, I'm spiritual. And then what happens? Eventually that runs out. It's got to run out. Because humans need substance. At some point we need substance. And a religion that is circling around me is no religion at all. So eventually what happens? Eventually we're going to have to embrace that our Father in Heaven is asking us for two dishes. There are 36 tzaddikim that are serving sweet dishes. And then there's you and I that serve continuously spicy dishes. And then you stop and you ask yourself, and if I'm making God happy, isn't that what life is all about? If I'm fulfilling the one thing God wants from me, isn't that what I'm supposed to be happy about? Am I supposed to be looking over at the other person and see what God told him to do? Why can't I have that job? So spiritual sadness, like everything else, comes from an absolute lack of faith which embodies itself with entitlement and ego but if we can move away from there if we can for a second say the words that the Alter Rebbe says lekach natsarta this is what you were created for what God sold you short this is what we want from you and then once you accept that, and only after you accept that, now start learning chassidus and find out what the Benini offers God that even the tzaddik can't. Warmth, life, is created through friction. And that's what we deal with every single day. Every single day. You will notice that marriage, relationships, don't take off until they're challenged with friction and now shall you or shall you not overcome. And around the corner is another challenge. We call that in life speed bumps. They're there so you shouldn't fall asleep and run off the road. So what really happens in a Bainini's life is to embrace it's not about the war. 
it's about the battles. The war is God's job. The battles are my job. In the world of psychology, for the good and for the bad, you'll always hear one word. You have to live in the present moment. The minute you shift from living in the present moment to the long-term past or future, you won't have happiness. A bainini, that's his life. Don't talk to me about when I turn 50, I'm still going to be challenged. Just tell me today, did I or did I not win the battle? And if I did win the battle, can I embrace that God is smiling from ear to ear? So in closing, spiritual sadness is the Yetzirah at work. The Yetzirah wants you to take your eyes off the real goal and put it on an unattainable goal so he can get you to be depressed. And once you're depressed, you're putty in his hands. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual sadness is the absolute work of the Yetzirah trying to get your eyes off the obtainable goal onto the unobtainable goal so that you eventually will get depressed and then you're putty in his hands. So rule number one, know yourself. Don't make yourself bigger than you are and don't make yourself less than you are. You're not a tzaddik and you're not a rasha. You are a benini. And a benini has to deal with short-term goals. Today's impulse, I need to win it. Number two, once you do embrace that you are a Benini and that you have to deal with the impulses, i.e. the battles, not the war, don't walk around moping, oh, did you hear? I'm only a Benini. Because it's not about you, it's about God. And that's what God wants from you. And God's telling you that that to him is more precious than what a tzaddik has to offer. Simply because in the times of exile, spicy food is what is needed because we're all walking around exhausted and depleted of energy. Create spicy food. Win another battle for God. And that's why the Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya that in the times of the Talmud, people who studied all day long, so it didn't make a difference if they ate breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock because they ate breakfast for a half hour and they spent the rest of the day learning. So in quantity-wise, it made no difference if they ate breakfast at 7 o'clock or 10 o'clock. They're going to end up learning the amount they learn and they're going to end up eating the amount they eat. And yet the Talmud says, because they wanted to embrace this work of escafia, fighting impulses, they would purposely push off eating until 10 o'clock instead of 7 o'clock. The previous Rebbe's daughter brought him a cup of tea that was hot. Came back later, and he sees that the previous Rebbe, she sees that the previous Rebbe did not drink the tea. And she said, Ta, why didn't you drink the tea when it's hot? It's good when it's hot. He looked up to her and he said the famous line of Chzidis, Iskafya. Iskafya means to subdue your Yetzirah. You want it, you really want it, don't do it. She looked at her father and said, a tzaddik does a skafia? A benini who has impulse has to do a skafia. And the previous rabbi said, there are those who have to do a skafia and there are those who want to do a skafia. 
So Askafia is a beautiful life. It's a challenging life. It's a fulfilling life to be able to know I did it again. I brought the ox down by the horns. I brought him down. And God's smiling. That's a sacrifice. An impulse flares up. Brace yourself. Bring it down. Sometimes you bring it down by total engagement. Sometimes you bring it down by running for your life. Whatever works. Make sure that you don't succumb to that impulse. And when it happens, stop, smile, because that's what life is all about. So spiritual sadness has no place in holiness. It won't lead to you working harder. It'll lead to denial of who you really are, what you should really be working for. It'll be not embracing the beauty of your life and what you have to offer God. Good luck, people. I'm going to finish um, with... Uh, making a special mazel tov, actually, to a family and to an individual. Number one, the Salzman family was honored for their great work in the Jewish community. And also today is Amy's birthday. So mazel tov, guys. <laughs>